everybody, this is Nathan, and I am really excited about this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. I get to sit down with author, writer, and speaker, a friend of mine and a friend of many of yours, Carrie Stevens. Carrie and I are going to talk about the Enneagram. We're going to get into the personality types and how different people are responding during this current COVID crisis. I know this is one you're not going to want to miss, so let me get you right into the conversation with Carrie. Thanks for joining us. Gary, we are so glad to have you today on our fourth episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. And this is an episode that I've been really looking forward to since we started this thing. Once we decided that we were going to do a weekly podcast, talking to you about the Enneagram was on my list. So, you know, we had an opportunity to sit down and talk about the Enneagram a while back. It was super fascinating. I know you're going to tell us you're not an expert. I kind of think you are. So I'm really <laughs> excited to have you with us today. But there may be some people listening who don't know you. So for, for those people who are maybe not familiar with our church as, as much, or maybe they're new and they just haven't put the, all the pieces together, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Carrie Stevens. I am married to Morgan Stevens. He's the lead pastor at Mosaic. We have four children. They are 16, 15, 13, and 11. And I'm an author. I wrote my first book this year. Uh, the title's Holy Guacamole, and that's been really fun. And as far as Enneagram goes, I was exposed to the Enneagram about seven or eight years ago, and I found it really helpful and fascinating, and I've sort of been hooked ever since. So I'm excited to talk about it today. So speaking of your book, I'm sorry that I didn't mention that, but it is a really great book that everyone should get. So w where is your book available? I mean, it's it's available everywhere. It's in Apple Books. It's from Barnes and Noble. You can order it. You know, your local bookstore, if they have a website, obviously our local shops are mostly closed right now, but it should be available anywhere books are sold. And it's fun. It's a light but deep read. So I would think it would be a fun quarantine read. It's funny. It'll make you laugh. That's awesome. Oh. I think everybody should go get it. I'm sorry the podcast isn't about that. Uh, maybe <laughs> we can do that another time. But today, I am, like I said, I'm, I'm very interested in talking with you about the Enneagram. So I'm sure we'll get to eights eventually, but I'll just throw this out there because we are talking about how this time and quarantine and shelter in place and coronavirus, how it's affecting all of us. And me, as an Enneagram eight, you know, I have a cousin of mine. We've never talked about the Enneagram, but he and I have very similar personalities. And we used to tell each other about ourselves. You know, you may be wrong, but you're never in doubt. And I, th <laughs> I, th I think that as an eight, you know, sometimes, and this is both good and bad, right? Like most strengths, there's weaknesses to it, but I will quickly ascertain the facts of a situation or something that's coming down the road. I just see it. I process it quickly. Sometimes nanoseconds, I make decisions and I feel like I know which way we're supposed to go. And of course, that can be great. That can get you in a lot of trouble. But I have found myself actually experiencing an abnormal amount of anxiety and sort of emotional restlessness. And I think that maybe it's because I just can't make sense out of all of this. Every time I start to think about it, it's like I can argue three different sides of the same issue and none of them actually make sense, even though I'm arguing them. And I cannot put the pieces together in my head, certainly not as quickly as I'm used to or as efficiently as I'm used to, but also not as clearly as I'm used to. So that's kind of what I'm experiencing right now. Tell us a little bit about what you're experiencing. How is this affecting you? Well, I think that I, okay, I'm an Enneagram four, which we 
are feeling dominant. So we take in all information through feeling. And I think it's really important as we talk about the Enneagram to remember that each type is dominant in one of three centers of intelligence. So we all have a center of intelligence for thinking, for feeling, and for doing. And so whatever you're dominant in, that is the center of intelligence that you use to intake information. And so I take in information through feeling, which is not necessarily an enjoyable aspect of COVID-19 because there is a lot of negative information out there. Uh, So for me personally, I think that in general, the Enneagram is a great tool for paying attention to your inner life and growing in your ability to navigate how you interact with the world and with other people and with God, honestly. And so I like the fact that this is an incredible opportunity for the whole world to be under stress. No, not really. But since we are under stress, I think it would be good practice to take this time to really recognize that how you navigate your inner life is just really important as far as spiritual and personal growth go. And there are lots of tools that can help you with that, obviously, lots of different personality tools that are helpful. But I think the Enneagram in general is helpful in this space because it puts a lot of verbiage and explanation into how we handle fear. And this is a quite fearful time for us. And so the Enneagram has an abundance of wisdom to speak over how we deal with our fear as we navigate this space. So for me personally, I have had to be really cognizant of how much I'm allowing my emotional space to be influenced by the information I'm taking in. I've had to create better boundaries for when I let myself take in that information for what I'm also taking in as far as my faith and my hope and connecting with the people I love so that the dominant sound in my soul isn't just what's happening with COVID-19. So that is one thing that I know it's helping me a little bit keep from just feeling this massive weight of what the world is grieving and afraid of right now. So in your house, there's, there's six of you over there and Do you have two of the same type or is everybody different? We actually have two threes. So we have two people that are both threes. They're not identical people, of course, but they have similar tendencies as all threes do. We also have a five. We have an eight. We have a one. And then I'm the four. So we have a little medley. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you talked to us a little bit about yourself, and I'm sure that'll come through more as we continue on. But in looking at your own family, I mean, that's like a a Petri dish of Enneagram study, especially (laughs) when everybody's all under stress. Does does your family give you a hard time? I'm sure you like Enneagram them to death sometimes, because why wouldn't you? It's fun and it's interesting whether they like it or not. I mean, yeah, a little bit. My my 16-year-old one time brought me a, some sort of predicament he was in and was wanted to talk through something with me. And he literally stopped and was like mocking me. But just in jest, he said, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, you know, I was listening to an Enneagram podcast and they said, <laughs> so they are very used to Enneagram discussions. But I think that it's actually been really helpful as they've typed themselves, as they've gotten older, obviously. We kind of hold our youngest a little loosely, but she seems 
pretty solid in her number as far as we can tell. But we read through them together. I had them type themselves. We did not type them, which you're never supposed to type other people uh, as an aside because you don't really know what's going on in their soul. So, But we had them type themselves. And so it has been helpful, particularly for our teens, because, you know, the teenage years, you're sort of trying to figure out who you are. And with the shelter at home situation, I think that's been a even more so for my teens, you know, they kind of don't know themselves really well yet. And they're still trying to figure out who they are. And now their life is completely upended. So we have had quite a few conversations about what that means and what they need in order to be healthier in this space. Now, I will say our five is unbelievably loving sheltering at home. So (laughs) he's he's happy. He's very happy. That's awesome. I was going to ask you a question about five. So you just said something interesting. We're not supposed to type people, but I mean, let's be honest. It happens, right? Like you, you see someone, you start to think about, of course, it's it's way better and more helpful to let them tell you, but there's some people we can't talk to. So I sit here and watch sometimes these press conferences because I like information and I watch Dr. Fauci talk about everything and I don't know, he hasn't told me what he is. Maybe I'll ask him someday, but yeah. I, it seems to me like he is a five, but then he gets behind that, that pulpit or whatever that thing is they talk behind. And he, he seems to take on the persona of like a really calm and confident eight and just starts telling us, here's what's going on. Here's what we need to do. Here's what's going to happen. And he seems to me like a healthy five. And I know you got a five in your house. So maybe we could just kind of start there. I know we're going to do a run, a flyby, a run through of all nine types and sort of how they respond to stress. But let's dig in on that five a little bit more. Is that what happens to a five when they're in a good spot? Yes, it absolutely is what happens to a five. I think it's what makes a five an incredible leader. So fives are also known as the investigator in some circles. They're very analytical. They're thoughtful. They are unobtrusive. They sort of have a, we joke that our son who's a five, he will just ghost on us all the time. We'll be sitting around doing something and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, where'd he go? You know, they just have a way of when they're done in an environment, they just sort of disappear. They like privacy. They are very self-sufficient and they're loyal. They're, they're great presence. They're great friends and they love information. That is one of the key markers of a five. They love studying things. If they get, have an interest, they know absolutely everything about the interest They just love information. So in one respect, I think the COVID situation for a five could be a little overwhelming because there's so much information about it. So fives, I think, probably need to give themselves a little break from the news and not get just lost in the vast, never-ending onslaught of information out there. But they really use information as a way of protecting themselves from vulnerability. So a five's fear is really of being seen as incompetent or helpless. And obviously no one is completely competent about this virus and there's no way you're not vulnerable to the virus. And so just remembering for a five that no amount of information necessarily can protect them from the virus completely, but that because they are such objective people, Fives are so analytical. They are really helpful in a crisis, uh, just an unbelievable source of stabilizing presence. And when they go to eight in health, so five takes on eight energy in health, they can be a very commanding presence and really lead people in that way. And it's unbelievably beautiful and helpful and very much needed right now, I would say. 
So I've seen these memes floating around the internet talking about how different Enneagram types are responding to the current crisis. And I saw one about a three and it said, (laughs) Enneagram type three, they aren't really worried about what's going on, but they want to make sure everyone thinks that they are worried about what's going on. Now you've got two threes in your house. Tell us about how your threes are processing shelter in place crisis. You know, my threes are doing okay. At least they've completely changed everything about how they function in their day-to-day life so that they can continue achieving and being present. Threes are called achievers or performers. And a three is a real gift in that they're capable of changing their behavior in order to achieve the highest level of productivity. And so in a situation like this, I would wager my threes, I believe, have done this. And I would wager most threes have spent the last few weeks completely changing how they're doing things in order to keep their production level high. Fears of a three are of being seen as worthless. They're really kind of afraid that they won't be valuable and are seen as valuable. And so, you know, the three is trying constantly to win and achieve. And in this exact situation, the problem that a three encounters is threes are both dominant in feeling and repressed in feeling. So what that looks like is they take an information through feeling, which means they would have a finger on the pulse of exactly what's going on in the world. They're very aware but also threes dislike negative emotional space. So that part of the crisis would be the thing that would put a three off. And the repressed part of their feeling center is for themselves. So they're better at reading other people's feelings than they are at really acknowledging their own. And so for my threes, I think they're doing well in part because I'm obnoxiously asking them constantly how they're feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone needs a four to do that for them. That's right. That's right. Tell me all your sad things. I can take it. So I just, it's one of the ways for a three to stay healthy. They really need to remember that their feelings are important and it's not just what they produce that gives them worth. In fact, that's not where their worth comes from at all, but it is who they are as a person and offering them enough space to not be okay, to not know exactly what they're doing, although they figure it out so fast, they don't need long. But just to be that for them, a place for them to not be okay, I think uh, is really helpful for them to find that is, is valuable. And I think probably one key thing for threes to remember in this current situation is that The natural kind of breaks they had built into their schedules before working from home 100% of the time, those are kind of gone. And so for a lot of threes, they are prone to overwork, especially when they're kind of stressed because they feel like the more they produce and the more effective they are, it in some ways is kind of almost like the thing that makes them feel like everything's going to be okay. So they need to remember not to overwork themselves. So, you know, normally they'd have the drive home or they'd have a lunch break or they get home and they have to put their phone away and hang out with their family. And now it's like they're carrying their work around with them all day long. And if they live alone, if they're single, they really could work from the time they wake up until the time they go to bed because there's no one there to sort of interrupt their life. There's nothing to vary their schedule and they could easily overwork themselves. So I think that's probably the most dangerous space for a three in our current circumstances. I think asking the people in your life to ask you how you're doing, how you're feeling is really important. Just let them know, I need you to remind me 
that my work is not my life in some way. Mm. And to encourage them to make a list maybe of like non-achievement oriented activities that they enjoy, whether that's playing video games or some hobby like playing the guitar or just anything that doesn't involve productivity would be good for them. That's great advice. Thank you for that. So let's see, you're the four. We've talked about a five, two threes. I'm not good at math, but I think we've got two more to go just in the Stevens household. Where do you want to go next? <laughs> well, we could talk about the ones. That would let's be Let's hear fun. about the ones. Well, that's a perfectionist, ones, right? Is that what the uh, one is? That's right. Mm-hmm. The okay. ones are the perfectionist or the reformer. And I think if you have a one in your life, you should probably be checking in on them pretty regularly right now. With their lives slowing down so much, they're, so one of the hallmarks of a one, who they are very principled people, they're very moral, they really strive to be good. They want to be good. They are dominant in doing, they're incredibly effective. They like to do everything the right way, which is the way they think is right, obviously. They have to be reminded sometimes that there's not always only one right way to do things. But they can be a real source of comfort and strength in a time like this because they're so principled. However, one of the hallmarks of a one is that they have a very loud inner critic in their head. What that means is a one is very aware all the time They're reminded by this inner voice in their head all the time of how they've not been perfect, how they've not done it right, what they've done wrong. They're constantly kind of have this judgy voice in their head, which there's a lot to learn about how to handle that. It's it's a complex (laughs) skill to learn to manage your inner critic because it's just always there. But because they're moving along so slowly and life is tedious in a way it wasn't before, that inner critic could get really loud. And so, you know, one of the things for ones in general to remind themselves of is to not be super hard on themselves, that they've never done this before, that they don't have to be perfect at it, not to get obsessive about, you know, like, have I washed like 20 seconds, washing my hands for 20 seconds every single time I touch something, you know, because they could move into Mm -hmm. kind of dangerous space in that to be a little easier on the other people around them with the rules and recognizing that. Yes, everybody needs to be taking proper precautionary steps, but it's not their personal job to enforce those steps on every person in their life to try to not be that, you know, consider themselves the police of their home, I think would be good for them. I think ones need some humor in their lives, you know, finding finding uh, sources that make them laugh, that lighten them up so that they don't take it so seriously. Ones can take things really seriously, and this is a really serious thing, so... It's difficult to navigate that, I'm sure. Absolutely. One of the things that I hear a lot when we're talking Enneagram or I'm listening or reading is about where people go in health or in stress, or I've seen some call it in integration or disintegration, which I don't know how helpful that is. You're disintegrating. But (laughs) could you talk a little bit about one, especially in this time? I mean, like you, you pointed out, everybody's under a lot of stress. But when one is handling that well, maybe what some earmarks are, and maybe if they're not handling it so well, what they could look for and what kind of behaviors they start to see come up in their activity or even in just the way that they're thinking and processing? Yeah. Ones in stress go to four. And I think that this, the COVID situation is a great time for all of us to learn about our stress number. And so for a one to go to four, when you go to your stress number, you think of it like an escape hatch. Your stress number exists not because 
stress is bad, but because the energy from the number you go to is your exit from the stress. So it keeps you from staying stuck in your low side of your own number. So for a one, the low side of their numbers, they would get really obsessive about following every single rule perfectly. And, you know, they would be less concerned with how they, as just individuals, might not fit the mold. They might not be able to be perfect. They would be feeling a lot of that. And when you move to four, the four is very aware of how unique each person is. And the fours know there's this special thing about every human being. Fours are very aware of that. And so for the one in stress, the four space helps them to um, remember that we're not cookie cutters. You know, we don't all have to be exactly the same. There's not only one way to be a person. And so it kind of offers them an emotional space to feel the bad feelings and recognize okay, so I'm in a hard space, but that's going to be okay. Just because I'm sad doesn't mean I'm bad. Just because things are hard doesn't mean they won't get better someday. That this has come and this will go. And nothing I do to make myself perfect can make this go away. So I can just sit and kind of wait in the midst of the stress and not have to be perfect in order to find an exit. So that would be, I think, how the four space would help the one one in health goes to seven, so they just become unbelievably fun and <laughs> funny. And, you know, a one in seven space is awesome. They're amazing. Well, you've done a good job of not selling anybody out, so we don't know who's who. So how's the one in your house doing right now? Are we getting some seven? You know, my one, well, I'll say she, and now you'll know who it is, but she <laughs> she's doing great. She needs a variety of activities. Like, she definitely doesn't like the tediousness of every day being the same. And so we've been trying to help her think of creative things to do. But, I mean, she's missing other people because she's pretty extroverted. So that's hard. But she's doing pretty good. She's I mean, she's she's happy. She's enjoying her family being around. But then sometimes she's sad that we're not as accessible as she wants us to be because we all have things to do too. So it's there's give and take there. But so far, she's doing pretty good. Yeah, we're definitely experiencing some of that. It's a weird dynamic when everybody's home, but then you're still not available. So I empathize with her. Well, I guess that just brings us, at least in your house, we can go to the eight next because if, if my math is right... For those who are keeping track at home, that's what we've got left. And it's probably good for all the eights listening that we've waited until now. It's good for you. It's okay. I know you wanted to talk about eight first because so did I, but we're getting to it. Here we go. Number eight. Tell us a little bit about the type of an eight, and then you can get into what that looks like in your family member. Yeah. Eights are also called the challenger, and they are people of justice. They have the most energy of anyone on the Enneagram. So they're always very much doing lots of, lots of things. And eight is an incredible source of energy and productivity and fun. They're very protective of their people. They're very open-hearted. They're generous with their love. They have a very commanding presence. And they do like to take it's not that they want to take charge. They just naturally take charge. I don't think it's that necessarily they're I mean, maybe you could speak to that. I think that eights just have so much energy. They arrive ready to go. They think fast. They move faster than other people. They just intuitively can sense where things are moving. And they actually usually get there before the things get there. And so they're ready before everybody else is ready to make everything happen. I love eights. I love my eight. 
we joke, though, <laughs> that he, every once in a while, I'll tell him, you're beginning to ooze. And what I mean by that is an age just has... <laughs> yeah. Eights just have this very large presence, and it's sort of like he'll come into the room and he'll sit near you on the sofa, but then all of a sudden you'll notice that like he's slowly expanding his body to take more and more of the sofa up, or he'll bring like a blanket with himself, and the blanket will slowly like adjust. He'll kind of adjusting it until you realize like he's taking up three fourths of the sofa with just himself. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like. <laughs> It's like he just becomes the biggest presence in the room without ever being aware of it. And one of the things that I personally have come to love about my eight and also just come to realize is part of just being in relationship with him. He really likes confrontation. Eights love confrontation. It's how he feels close to me. So COVID and sheltering at home with him has... (laughs) has been an interesting experience because he can turn anything into a sparring match. Like, like it's fun for him to debate, to ask more questions, to argue with me about things that he doesn't even mean to. Like, I'll say something and he'll, he'll be like, but don't you think, and he'll offer his counterpoints without even recognizing. And I'll have to say, are you trying to pick an argument? Like, do you want to argue about this? Are you wanting to debate this? And he'll go, oh, no, I didn't even know I was doing that. I'm sorry. Like, he just, it's the ooze. I don't know. It's like <laughs> he wants to just bump up against you and just just interact with you constantly. So, but he's actually doing great. He's he's enjoying everybody being together. He likes, he loves his people so much that he doesn't mind it at all. Now, I think that part is he's younger. I would think for an adult eight, it would be a little bit more challenging because eights really dislike vulnerability, which I think kind of goes along with what you said at the beginning of the podcast. Eights want to avoid vulnerability. And the problem is no amount of energy or control from an eight can possibly keep a virus from spreading in in a nation. Now, obviously, if you're in a real place of authority, you could potentially make some decisions that could keep it from, but in your regular life, you know, you can't make yourself and your people less vulnerable to it apart from just, I don't know, I guess you could like never let anyone leave the house, but it just is, (laughs) it would be challenging. I feel bad for the eights right now because I know that they want to do something to protect everybody they love. And that's hard for them. I would think, I don't know, but you could probably speak more to that. Yeah, it is super hard. You know, when you talk about eights and being in charge, at least the way it processes for me, and I know not all eights are the same, and and again, there's subtypes and wings and all that sort of influences it. For me, I, I really don't feel like I have to be in charge, but I do feel like someone competent has to be in charge. And so if I look up and I feel like there's a leadership vacuum, I just fill it and then I realize I filled it later. It's not because necessarily I make the best person to fill it. I just do. And that's probably the oozing that you're talking about. I was like, oh, okay, I'm now leading this thing. And I think that's probably also part of the anxiety of the moment for me. Not only am I having a hard time wrapping my head around all of the facts and conspiracies and different things that are floating around that, 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 that are, have to do with what we're experiencing right now, but also 
it seems to me that there's a leadership vacuum, you know, and I'm not trying to make this a political podcast, but it's like everywhere I listen to, I hear different things. And when I hear from different experts, I hear different things. When you hear from different political leaders, you hear different things. And I sort of just start to look around and go, I don't think anybody's really in charge right now. And I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing. And I start to have all of this anxiety. Now that's not totally true. There are people in charge. There are people making decisions. There are certainly people that know what they're doing, but there's so many competing voices and this is like this is a health crisis right like this isn't a choice about how do we spend x number of dollars it's how do we keep people alive and so i feel i like feel all of that i feel like if we don't make good decisions more people will die like this isn't about who decides where we go for dinner this is how do we save human beings and so for sure i process that a lot And I'm probably not processing it well because I find myself often like wishing I could have all the right information, think about it correctly, and then go do something about it. And it does, you know, become a very helpless situation to be in. So for all of you eights out there, I definitely empathize with you. Carrie, not because you are an eight, but because you study this so much. What would you say to somebody like me who is used to being able to fix problems, who's used to being able to, you know, solve riddles and organize and make stuff go when you look at this and you can't? Like, what should I be doing? Of course, praying and seeking the Lord. But as it relates to my own personality, you got any tips or tricks for eights to just settle down a little bit and be okay with not being okay? Yeah, I would say definitely pay attention to your stress and growth numbers. You know, so an eight goes to five in stress, which means you are going to want information. And since the information, as you're indicating, is less than helpful right now, I don't think information about COVID is where you should be going. I mean, not that you shouldn't know what's going on. Definitely take in your news in the morning, find out what's happening, what what the new things are, but don't look for, I think, a way out in that regard. I would say move to make your world a little smaller and move toward figuring out how you can use your energy to love and take care of the people in your exact circles, right? So that would be also taking you more into your two number, which is your growth number anyways. As far as just how do you use your energy? What information do you have? What do you know about the people in your life? What do your people need? How can you help them be more stable? What are your parents needing? How could you get help for them? You know, I would say become an advocate for your individual people instead of looking to protect people from something that you can't actually protect them from, making sure the people you love have what they need and are well cared for. And I think that because that moves you into two space, that will feel like a place of hope for you. That's really, really helpful. I appreciate you you sharing all of that. Definitely when I feel myself more in a two space, I feel a lot better about it than when I'm in a five space trying to figure out puzzles that I can't figure out. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, I I think we've got four types left to cover. So two, six, seven, nine, is that right? Yeah. Where would you like to go next on this Enneagram journey? Well, we could go to twos. We were just kind of talking about them a little bit when we talked about eights. So that sounds like an easy next step. Well, that sounds like a great plan to me. Tell us some more about type two. Okay, so twos are helpers. They are very nurturing. They're very aware of the needs of the people around them. They're helpful. They're supportive. They are dominant in doing, so if you need help, if you need aid, if you need support, a two is definitely your person. They're very caring and loving and awesome in a million ways. But in stress, (laughs) they can sometimes get a little aggressive with their help. (laughs) So for the two, 
they have to make sure they're not moving toward people to help them in an effort to get something back from the person. So twos can, can in unhealth, move toward that a little bit, kind of a passive-aggressive kind of attempt, a, a bid for connection without like a hidden bid for connection with a person. And so I think just being real aware of what the people in your life as you're sheltering at home really actually have asked you to help them with, just being obvious with them like, hey, could you use my help with your project or whatever, instead of just stepping in and automatically helping or going around them and just doing things for them. Like everyone in your family might not want a huge breakfast every single morning. So don't get up and do it and then get your feelings hurt because they didn't want you to make them a huge breakfast or they just they decided to go for a run instead or whatever. Because the two is going to be aware that everybody is needy and they're desperately going to want to be helpful. So I think just expressing that you're here and you want to help to the people around you and and then also being honest about what you need. So twos are afraid to just come out sometimes and ask for what they need from the people in their life. And I think your needs are just high right now because of the stress and twos take in information through doing. So they're going to automatically want to do something about everything. And they need to not just automatically do. They need to slow down for a minute, ask questions, acknowledge what they're feeling. They have to work hard to bring up thinking in their life because they repress thinking. So just respecting others' boundaries, telling people what you really need, spending some time alone each day, which Twos don't love. They love to be with people, but it will be good for them to spend some time in silence, to practice maybe some contemplative prayer, things like that, to sort of center them and help them to navigate their own inner life. So right now, when you are sitting at home and you're quarantined, I'm trying to imagine two different types of twos. There's there's the two, like you said, that maybe wants to get up and make breakfast for everybody every morning, whether they want it or not. But as you were talking, I was just, I was feeling a little emotional weight here, thinking about an extroverted two who might be single and alone right now. Yeah. And what kind of pressure emotional, mental pressure they might be experiencing now, just trying to imagine what that person might be going through right now. What, what words of hope and wisdom could you offer someone in that kind of situation? I mean, I would say they probably, they probably hopefully have already found some way to do this, but they probably need an outlet where they can help other people directly, whether that's doing some kind of advocacy for like the hospitals or helping to promote whatever programs are happening in their church to bring aid to people who are who are sheltering in place and can't go to the grocery store, joining those kinds of things. They definitely, two goes to eight in stress. And so some of that, like when I'm talking about two becoming kind of overly helpful in stress, it comes from that eight energy. They're, they're just like automatically getting big in their helping, you know, they're getting, they're oozing, <laughs> like I said in the eight, <laughs> but they're getting big in their helpfulness. And so if they have no one around them, yeah, a two would be very lonely. I would say definitely I have a friend who's a two and she's on a a Zoom call with me every week. So that for her is really helpful. She just needs, she's single. She needs people to talk to. She needs to see faces, you know, and just being honest with your friends, texting them and letting them know, like, I just, I miss people. I miss, I need you to remind me that this isn't going to last forever. I need you to remind me 
that things are going to be okay someday, that someone will hug me again, that I'll be I'll be useful in, in outside of my home again if they're having a hard time finding places. But I think really looking for organizations and service type things where they could, you know, even if it's just organizing a drive for needs of others would be good for them. That's really, really helpful. And I hope that that will help someone. I also think times like this might be hard if you're a six, because in that six, you can also have a tendency, I think, help me out here, but I think that you can have a tendency to kind of be gripped by fear and also start to think about the way that situations like this affect people who are already oppressed and on the underside of privilege and access to care and quality services. And I'm imagining a six who's who's both caring but also wanting to fight for justice may start to feel a little hopeless in situations like this as well. Tell us a little bit more about a type six and then how this may be affecting them and what some paths forward might be for them. Yeah. So the six is the loyalist. They are very trustworthy. They're intuitive. They are great problem solvers. They're great troubleshooters. They're incredibly loyal. They're strategic. The six is generally very aware intuitively of what is best for all people. They really want to create a world in which everybody has access to the support that they need, the provision that they need. They really want things to be good for all people. And they can be a little bit obsessive about fear. They're very aware of the potential worst case scenarios in any given situation. Sixes have to learn to fight fear, to disarm fear, to replace fear, because it's like they're wired to make sure we're all going to be okay. And so they're just aware of the potential pitfalls in our future. And it's really what makes them just unbelievable partners and friends and team members and employees and bosses and all of that, because they really do care about the good of all people and really want to work to build systems that provide for everybody. So yes, this would be a hard time to be a six because this is their worst nightmare. You know, it's like everybody is equally vulnerable, but not everybody is equally impacted. And mm. I think we've seen that, you know, with the the stats about the African-American community, their health sources and support systems are just not good. They're not adequate. They have been on the underside of power in that situation forever in America. And so for the six, those kinds of situations would definitely bring out their desire to fight for justice. And that's not a bad thing. But I think that once the six is armed with some of that information, they probably need to turn their news off and really spend some time thinking about what they can do with that information and how they can be a voice of progress and help. I think in all of these types, I think it's good for us to remember as our lives have slowed down and we're in our homes, our reach has been minimized. And so just like I said, with the eight, you know, focus on the people in your circles. I think for the sixes, for them to try to think about how the people they can directly help could best be served would be good for the six as well, because the big picture, they can only do so much from home and they would be more effective in their exact circles of people and work scenarios because they really, they want control. Sixes want control over scary things. They want to be able to stop them. 
but nobody has control over this virus. They have to take that off the table. That's just not something that they're going to be able to muster up. So I would say for the six, practicing some mindfulness. All of us really need to do that, but our minds are so scattered by all the news and anxiety and being kind of contained in small spaces that breathing practices, contemplative prayer, stretching, sitting in quiet, taking walks without something playing in your ears, don't listen to podcasts, you know, just walk and just trying to create space for them to have time to think. So sixes are dominant in thinking and they're repressed in thinking. And it's similar to what I said about the threes, you know, they take information in through thinking, but then they don't always stop to think about the information they've taken in. They just move on with it. And that's how fear ends up so big in them because the information creates fear, but then they don't think about, okay, what could I do about this? How do I feel about this? You know, what Mm. can I, how can I use this in my life? So slowing down is a good thing. I was thinking about some of the sixes in my life and as an eight, sixes are extremely helpful for me, but they're also like, they can be borderline dangerous for me. So sixes, I think oftentimes can see and sense things that I don't, and they have a unique way of getting my attention. Whereas other other types, I have to work a little harder to listen because I've already made up my mind. You know, I've made made decisions so fast in the the way that I process things. But sixes, I have learned, they tend to intuitively understand things. Fours are this way for me too, but they intuitively pick up and understand things that I know I'm probably missing. And so it's really helpful in that way. It's also dangerous sometimes, especially sixes more so than fours, because we can sort of get some justice synergy going on and like, oh yeah, you saw that thing that needs to be fought for? I'll go fight for it. And we'll get in there together. But I was thinking to myself, like right now, the sixes in my life, if they were to come to me and say, you know, I have been spending time with Jesus and I know that everything is crazy right now, but I also know everything is going to be okay. For a six to actually provide that it's going to be okay reassurance, I think would have even more power than like, say, a seven coming sure. and telling me it's all going to be okay. Well, everything's going to yeah. be okay for a seven. They're, you know, <laughs> everything's going to be okay but for we'll a seven. We'll get to that. We're, we're just about to get to that. But but yeah, if you're a six out there, I, I just want to encourage you as well to find that center, find that place of peace and hope, spend time with Jesus, and then find ways to tell people that really know you well. Because I really think people that know you well, if you're a six, whether they're asking or not, they will get a lot of life and peace out of you telling them, this is going to be okay. God is going to do something good through this situation. It's going to be better on the other side. And whether you realize it or not, those words coming from your personality type are going to carry a lot of weight for people. But now let's talk about the, it's going to be okay all the time. (laughs) Sevens. I actually actually love sevens. They're so much fun, but I always have like a little bit of side eye because I'm like, are you sure? You know, when I'm hearing a seven (laughs) perspective on hard situations. Yeah. They're sure sure too. (laughs) So tell us a little more about Enneagram sevens. Yeah, sevens are the enthusiasts. They are fun-loving, they're adventurous, they're upbeat, they're friendly, they're optimistic. They love to make plans. So I do feel sorry for sevens right now because they cannot make their happy, fun plans in, in the midst of sheltering in place unless they're just thinking way out in the future. But there are a lot of Enneagram experts that say that sevens are probably actually the most creative number in general because... They are so, they're future oriented and sevens are capable of imagining a future where 
everything that's happening right now becomes, you know, the best Hollywood ending you've ever seen, right? And so sevens, they just know how to create environments that are diverse and fun and interesting and new for everybody. And they are the life of the party. So we all do really love the sevens in our lives. Their fear is of being deprived or of being in pain. Really, this is like worst case scenario for a seven. They're being deprived of their freedom to do what a seven like loves spur of the moment. They they like to make mm. plans. They like to make fun plans, but they don't want to commit to something if they think there might be a better thing potentially. So getting a seven to agree to like, hey, do you want to have coffee next Saturday at 10 a.m., you know, the seven might be like, maybe, but what if somebody calls me and gives me a better offer? You know, sevens do like a little bit of possible interruption in their life, and there's no interruption happening. There's no spur of the moment plans. There's no, I can't believe today ended up being this fun. It is, mm. it is not a fun space for the sevens. So, their desire is to know that their needs are going to be fulfilled. So, you know, here in the stress of sheltering at home, just recognizing and admitting that you don't like the limitations, um, saying it out loud, voicing that, journaling about that, about your frustration with that. Sevens don't necessarily enjoy talking about their sad feelings, their negative emotions, but this is actually a great time for them to grow in that. That is a skill that all sevens have to foster and tend is being capable of managing and processing negative space in their emotional life. So I guess if you're stuck at home for a seven, at least you can know you're doing some good work instead of always sort of pretending like sad things haven't happened and everything's going to be okay. That can be the sort of unhealthy side of a seven. They'll reframe everything and just pretend like, the sad part wasn't real, but their soul still took it in. And so usually for a seven, that sort of backlog hits them eventually. So this isn't, this is a good opportunity to do that of practicing some, you know, meditating on scripture, contemplative prayer, slowing their thoughts down. Sevens, um, sevens think they go from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing a lot. And so just learning to kind of, enjoy the moment and find peace in the midst of kind of the unknown, which that's not easy space for a seven, but trying to avoid always having to do something about their bad feelings, but just acknowledging them, talking about them, journaling about them, learning to accept that sometimes life is not as fun as they want it to be. This unfortunately is just a really good time for growth for seven. I know that's not what they're excited about, but I guess if you got to be at home, at least you're being productive. I don't know. Yeah, I was having a conversation earlier this week with what I think is a five and a seven. And we were talking about something that's potentially planned for about a month from now. And so the five is like, yeah, that's not happening. No way that's happening. And the the person I suspect to be a seven was saying, you never know. In two weeks, this whole right. thing could be over. Something could happen and we'll be back to normal. So then what? We have to plan for that contingency too. It was just so funny, you know, seeing those play out. Sorry to interrupt you, but what you said no, made me think about great. the conversation. That's exactly how it would be for a seven. They're definitely banking on the miracle coming soon. Yeah, be, be merciful toward the sevens in your life right now. Their whole way of being in the world has been just turned off. Like they're not allowed to do everything the way they normally do. That's got to be pretty hard. 
Well, I know that the sevens are definitely like ready for this to be over. I'm glad they're banking on a miracle. I'm praying in faith with them. I'm cautiously optimistic about that miracle happening in two weeks. But somewhere in my house, probably right now, is my beautiful wife cuddled up under a blanket. It may even be all the way over her face, <laughs> concealed under the blanket, trying to read something interesting or watch a video that makes her laugh so that all of this just goes away. I'll give you one guess what type she is. <laughs> She's a peacemaker. She's a nine. She definitely is. Tell us some more about nines. Yeah, so nines, you know, some people call them the sweetheart of the Enneagram. So they have the least energy of any number on the Enneagram. So you do find them snuggled under blankets a lot because they're just really tired. But they are friendly and agreeable and cooperative and adaptable. They're trustworthy and trusting. They're empathetic and they love to serve people. And they're just incredible human beings. And having a nine as a friend or family member is a huge blessing. They do fear conflict. They hate conflict. They don't like separation. They don't like chaos. They want peace, which is why they're called the peacemaker. So I think for the nine in sheltering at home, for one thing, they probably are getting a lot of sleep. So they're probably enjoying that aspect of (laughs) sheltering at home. There's plenty of time to rest and sleep. But because they're under stress, they will tend to be an even more exaggerated version of themselves in that nines generally aren't super aware of their own opinions or feelings. They're very, very empathetic toward other people. They're very much aware of who everybody else is, but sometimes they have a hard time really telling you their own inner story. And so because of the stress of sheltering at home and the virus and all of that, they might become even more self-forgetting than usual. And they will have to exercise whatever practices help them connect with how they really feel, what they really think, what their part to play really is, because they're going to want to just kind of check out and just wait for it all to be over because it's scary and it's hard and there's conflict inherent in any kind of crisis. So just remembering what can kind of pull the nine out of their shell is just to, I think, remind them that we really need them right now. We need them to make that peace that they can make for their ability to remind us that things like this have happened before and God's in control and things are going to be okay, that we're in it together, that none of us is alone in this, for them to just maintain their awareness of what's going on inside themselves, that then they can pour out into the people around them and to offer themselves the same kind of love and support that they're always ready to offer other people is important, I think, all the time, but especially now. It's really good. When you think about nines being conflict averse, I was thinking about a time that we were sitting at Starbucks talking, you you and Morgan and, and my wife and I, and we started to, I started to tell a story about my daughter confronting a problem on the bus and how she stood up for someone on the bus to the bus driver. I don't know if you remember this, but as I'm telling the story, Ashley gets up and literally leaves. She like got up and went to the restroom. <laughs> Just telling the story about my daughter being confrontational made her so <laughs> nauseous and uncomfortable. She bolted for the bathroom. And so if that kind of story so causes that kind of response, I can only imagine all of the pressure of like our society is in conflict. 
right? Like we are in conflict as a people against a virus that's out of our control. And I can only imagine sort of the inner turmoil that the nine has been experiencing. But I agree with you. The nine also has a lot to give. So you know, I've heard and I've seen like on the diagram, sometimes the, the nine sits at the top. I've heard people talk about how the nine sits at the top of the Enneagram. And, and what that means maybe is that they can see a little more clearly into all the other personality types. And I do think from the little bit that I know, of course, I want to hear from you, but from the little bit that I do know, I think that nines may have a unique opportunity to sort of make peace in the middle of this situation and minister to all the personality types in a really unique way. If they can just muster enough strength to lean in just a little bit, what do you think about that? I mean, I think that that's true. They sometimes call the nine the crown of the Enneagram. And sometimes nines have the hardest time typing themselves because when they read all the numbers, they sort of see a little bit of themselves in each number, mostly because they're so very intuitively, just naturally aware of the gifts of all the people in their life. So the nine definitely view the world through a pretty optimistic lens in that they are aware of what each type brings to the table and how each type could potentially be a help or an aid. Nines are really good at mining out the love believes the best in the world. And so, yes, I absolutely think that for a nine to engage in some conversation with the people in their lives around how they're all feeling and how they're struggling, the nine would be able to offer an enormous gift to their friends and family by pointing out that we need the one's ability to set up the things you have to do in order to be as safe as you can be. We need the two's ability to recognize there's need in the world and to fill it. We need the three's ability to achieve and adapt to our circumstances and still maintain productivity so that society doesn't crumble. We need the four's ability to sit in sadness and recognize that grief is valuable if we will process through it. We need the five's ability to take in information and know what's really going on and analyze it. We need the six's ability to make sure that everybody is being provided for. We need the seven's ability to hope for a future with where things are restored and good and fun and healthy things are in our future. We need the eight's ability to advocate and create structures and authority that is governing in a way that creates justice for all people. And we need the nine to remind us of all of that. And so that we are all in this together, that peace is possible when we're all offering one another the best parts of who we are. So yes, I think that when nines begin to do that, they create community in a way that no other number really can because they unite people with their love for everyone. And I think it's an incredible gift. It really is. I love, in fact, that it's called the peacemaker, not the peacekeeper, because even in that, there's there's some activity that's needed because the kind of activity a nine can bring is very, very valuable. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. This has been super interesting today. I've learned so much. I wish I could just do this all the time, just sit down and talk to you about people and personalities. I'm certainly, like I said, not an expert like you, but it all intrigues me so, so much. Love to learn about it and, and figure out how to, 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 to leverage all 
of the gifts and uniqueness that God has put inside of people to advance his kingdom. I hope this podcast has been encouraging to you today. Whether you know your type or not, guess what? You're probably one of these nine. Now, there may be some some wings and subtypes in there, but I hope there was a little something for everybody in this today. Really glad that you joined us on the podcast. Carrie, thank you again. Hey, go get that book, Holy Guacamole. This is a perfect time to read it. I know you're going to like it. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Nathan. It's been great. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.